There's nothing that fascinates me more in life than human desire. The fact that it's totally unquenchable. To me, it's one of the greatest revelations of the fact that where we come from and what we're actually made for. Because every desire has an end. When I desire food, it's for something specific. Water, you can drink Pepsi, Mountain Dew, beer, but you know it's, you need water in the end. Like every physical desire that we have is for an end. But there's one thing that can never be satisfied no matter what we get in this world, and that is the human heart. That's our soul. Always longing for more. In today's readings, we get a vision of Elijah, and in the gospel, a vision of what life is. So Elijah traveling through the desert is an image of what our life on earth is. And his temptation to despair at one point is something every human being runs into. Lord, it is enough. Just take me home already. And then in the gospel, we have Christ's response to that longing, calling himself the bread that has come down from heaven for the life of the world. So I want to talk about two things today. One, the nature of human desire. And two, how our faith responds to our infinite capacities in life. There's once this writing contest for who could compose the most profound poem in five words or less. And the winner was a woman. She wrote, wanted him, got him, shoot. <laughs> it says a lot. It's an all too common experience that we have where we get the very thing that we think that we will make us happy and then we get on the other side and be like, well, what's next, you know? But two words that will never go together in this life are human and satisfaction. Right? Everyone's singing that Rolling Stones song in the end. I can't get no satisfaction because satisfaction comes from two words, satisface in Latin. Satis means full, face to make. So to make filled, to make complete. And yet we know by experience that there's nothing on this earth that can make us full. There's nothing that we can get to where we say, I don't need anything more afterwards. More is never enough. As Jim Carrey once said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they could realize that it's not the answer. And that's what I love about desire. You don't have to be a Christian to talk about being unsatisfied. This is a universal experience. And really what our religion is, is how we respond to our unsatisfied desires in life. Because desire is essential to what it means to be a human being. We are not restful creatures who sometimes get restless, fulfilled creatures who sometimes experience disquiet. Rather, we are restless people who occasionally find rest, dissatisfied people who occasionally find fulfillment, and disquieted people who occasionally find serenity. At the center of our hearts lies a perpetual disquiet, a lingering loneliness, an inexpressible ache for something that we can never quite name. And that's what fascinates me in life, that inexpressible ache for something that we can't quite name that is always calling us towards itself. A poet in the 17th century once wrote that there are invisible ways of conveyance by which some great thing does touch our souls and by which we tend towards it. Do you not feel yourself drawn by the expectation and desire of some great thing awaiting you? That is the source of all religious activity. That desire to find the answer to that some great thing that is always calling us forth. 
And I'll never forget, I always think it's the first time I was really touched by grace in my life. I was in wingers in Moscow, in junior high. My whole family was sitting around a table and all of a sudden the sensation came over me and I ran to the bathroom. And it wasn't the usual sensation that would come over to you that make you run to the bathroom. It was a different kind of sensation. It was this longing, this pain in my heart I couldn't understand. But I just remember standing up and, and getting, like running over the booth to just get away to go somewhere private. And I went into the bathroom and I had this most painful piercing of the heart. This is before I even knew who Jesus Christ was. But this pain in my heart, this longing, was more desirable to me than anything that I'd ever possessed up to that point. It was the first time I felt inside myself that longing for something more in this life. C.S. Lewis, I think he had maybe a similar experience. He said, it is difficult to find words strong enough for the sensation which came over me, an unsatisfied desire, which is itself more desirable than any other satisfaction. That's a turning point in life. When we come to find out that it's actually our unsatisfied desires that define us far more than the things that we actually gain and possess. It's our unsatisfied desires that always push us out for more and for new and for better. And that's why I can understand that prophet Elijah, his sentiments in the first reading as his journey through the desert, because it's also our unsatisfied desires that push us to despair, to give up. You know, like Jean-Paul Sartre, existentialist, denied God. He said his culmination of thought at the end of his life was, life is a useless passion. All this longing, all this love within us, and there's no end. There's no place to rest. He fell into despair by the end of his life. And Elijah was getting that same cry where he says, this is enough, O Lord. Take my life. He was tired of running, tired of fighting, tired of living in the longing for always some new better thing, and yet not finding it in this life. And cry reminded me of two people. One was St. Augustine, the other one was a Norwegian pop singer named Aurora. So many of the music I get, I get from my brother, who always sends me, and luckily he's actually here today. So St. Augustine's cry, you made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. That is not a celebration. That's a condemnation. That means nothing we get in this life will ever put our hearts at rest. We'll always need something more. And recently I was recommended that song by Aurora called Runaway. It's a song of longing for rest in the midst of the deserts of life. She says, but now take me home. Take me home where I belong. I can't take it anymore. I got no other place to go. But I kept running for a soft place to fall. Running for a soft place to fall. That's what our deepest desires long for. To find some soft place we can fall and finally be at rest. That's what our search for love is. And St. Augustine was a man who was obsessed with love, obsessed with finding that completion in his life. And he looked in every human creature, any, every type of love that he could find to discover that answer to no avail. And yet when he finally discovered Jesus Christ and his gospel, 
and began living with his whole heart oriented towards heaven. He once he wrote in culmination of that, Woe unto that audacious soul of mine, which hoped that by forsaking me it would find some better thing. Turned and turned it had, and yet it found no rest. And all places were to be hard, and you alone were my soul's only peace and rest. He was running and running for a soft place to fall, crying out, Take me home where I belong. And he found that home only in Jesus Christ. And that's why in the end, that's, it's Jesus Christ or nothing. Jesus Christ is the only one who offers us an answer to the deepest longings of our hearts. Otherwise, we just get hedonism, which comes from atheism, right? Just fill whatever you can get right now because tomorrow you die. Eat, drink, and be merry. Or you get the Buddhist mentality. Cut off your desires. Buddhist, Buddha once said that love is the ultimate evil because it's love which makes us desire another outside of ourselves. And in never feeling ourselves satisfied, that's where all of our sorrow comes. Christianity has never condemned our desires and has never told us to get rid of our desires. But our whole goal in this life is to orient our desires towards heaven, towards Christ. That's what sin is, right? What is, remember I told you what sin is? Hamaturu means to miss the mark. An archer or someone shooting a target. When they don't hit the bullseye, they, it said they sinned. So all of our sin in our life is really going to the wrong places, trying to find the answer to our deepest longings in our life. And we know it's a sin. Why? Because it leaves us empty. It never gives us the satisfaction that it promised to offer us. You know, there's, speaking of exorcists, Father, if you ever need any questions on that, you can talk to Father Gray afterwards. The devils have a motto, and it's anything but God. They do not care where we take our desires in life. Just anything but God. And Jesus Christ says nothing to set it. Why? Because he's the only one our desire for made for. So what is God's answer to our unsatisfied desires, our restless hearts, our continual running for a soft place to fall in expectation of some great thing to come? It's the Holy Eucharist. The Holy Eucharist is the foreshadowing of our ultimate satisfaction in Jesus Christ in heaven. And it's foreshadowed by Elijah. What does the angel give Elijah when he's tired in the midst of his journey through the desert? Get, take, get up and eat. Eat this bread. Else the journey won't be too long for you. God knows well how difficult the journey through this life is. And in order to sustain our hearts, to keep us alive in the midst of that famine, he gives us in his own self in the Holy Eucharist. And if you believe that, we have to ask ourselves, like, how often, when I'm on empty, do I try to come to the church? How often do I spend time before the tabernacle, bringing my emptiness before our Lord? I have like three places I go as a priest before I go to Jesus. Usually it's my phone, then it's something on Netflix, then I'll go for a workout, and then I'll finally be like, okay, I need to go to the, I need to go to the church to pray. 
But think about that. How many different places do you go with your enemies before you think to come to Christ in the Eucharist? And the, the most beautiful thing about the Eucharist is that in every miracle that we have, where the bread and the wine has actually changed into the body and blood, flesh and blood, miracles that go back as early as the 12th century that we still have present, every single one, the, the bread that has turned into flesh comes from the same place, the heart muscle. Every single one. Because the Eucharist is God giving us his own heart to keep our hearts alive in the midst of this desert journey that we are passing through. Do I believe that? Do I really believe that God is giving me himself in the Holy Eucharist? When we start to understand that, it transforms our desires. And it gives us the ability to walk through this world always with our eyes fixed in heaven. When we run to the Eucharist, we will always find a soft place to fall. And it is there that we, like Elijah, eating and drinking of that food, we find the strength we need to get up and walk the rest of our journey to the mountain of God for all eternity.